Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. But then you're paying, wait, you're paying for it to take more time than a normal coffee? That's why pour over is so fucking expensive is because it, it is made with great beans, but also it takes like 10 minutes to make. But then it should be less money because I'm taking time out of my day for a better product. Well, that doesn't work for anyone. I know it doesn't. I know. (laughs) As soon as I said it, I was like, that's faulty logic across the board. No wonder I'm (laughs) bad at business. But but I just like the pour over takes so long when a coffee machine is a robot pour over every morning in my kitchen. Right. But the thing is, this is like a hand pour over. Every cup is made with its own filter. And then it's like a whole, like a very slow drip. The slow is why I'm so turned off by the pour over. Because I understand the handcrafted, such a small batch that there's just one of them Mm -hmm. per pour over. Like, sure, love the craftsmanship, love the dedication and care taken. Uh But let's cut that thing down by at least four and a half minutes. (laughs) Well, that's what espresso is for. That's quick. Right, but but my problem with espresso mm-hmm. is that it's a. Uh, I like holding something cold, warm in my hand on the cold months. Like I think a hot black coffee mm-hmm. to go for a nice walk in the morning is an absolute dream come true. You know, espresso is hot, right? I do, but it's tiny. Oh well, then get an americano. What is that? That's hot water with espresso shots in it. Is it so taking as long as a pour over? It is taking very less, very much less time than so a pour over. You get two coffees. Mm-hmm. For less th- time than it takes to make one coffee? What are you talking about? Two coffees. The Americano is an espresso plus a coffee. The espresso plus water, making a, like kind of an American style so coffee. So if you get rid of the pouring and yes. you just combine the water and the coffee. Yeah. So you cut out the pouring. But pour- So a pour over <laughs> minus the pouring is an Americano. Uh, uh, um, sure. You know why you're so fucking amped right now? Why? It's because you had a goddamn pour over. Because (laughs) the caffeine levels in a pour over are much, much higher because it takes longer. So everyone thinks that espresso is stronger in caffeine, but it's actually less strong than brewed coffee. And that is less strong than pour over, which has the most caffeine because it's the water spends so much time in the beans. Yeah. So it actually brings out all of the caffeine. Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. That's why you're talking a mile a minute. I am. I feel like I'm on Molly right now but i'm on pour over uh-huh. <laughs> i just had espresso i feel fine <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like handing out little pour overs at a rave uh-huh. trust me it's <laughs> <Just> good stuff <laughs> so okay so then the caffeine levels will go see here's what i thought they were mm. i thought it was cold brew mm-hmm. espresso um Every, and, and then everything else. Like I thought that was the hierarchy of caffeine. Oh, like cold brew was the most potent? Yeah, I really thought cold brew... I think cold like, brew might be even more potent than pour over. So I think it would go like bottom is espresso and then next most strong is... Can you hear? I wonder if... 
whoa, your neighbors have such loud sex. That they was they wild. fuck so loud. They fuck so loud that it's it's <laughs> the pro- my I don't have a problem with it because it's like get yours, come hard. But when it's like the over the top, I yeah 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 yeah, that, that it makes me think they have an OnlyFans and it's them filming it because it sounds fake, but it sounds right up somebody's alley who's paying seventeen ninety nine a month. That was so performative. Yeah. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what back up? to our coffee conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do a little quick what up right yeah. there. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Weed and Grove, everybody. Already off the rails. Woo. This is a podcast about comedy, cooking, culture, cannabis, calling shit out, coming, and coffee. Yeah! <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> they come, they fuck really loud. Yes, they do. And your walls are very thin. My, yeah, I live in a paper mache house. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm whispering. Oh, I'm whispering because I'm talking about them. They can hear you talking about them right now. Of course they can. (laughs) But also get yours as much as possible. Oh, wow. It's been really interesting being here. Like we've been shuttling back and forth between your place and my place, using your place like a studio kind of living over here for the Emerge uh, conference that we hosted and everything. And it's been really interesting like spending so much time here and just like listening to the the world that is your building. Yes. Because it is like... (laughs) really loud yes yeah it, it is one of those um new york theater movies where each character in their home has a different agenda within the story yeah all very different all in kind of harmony yeah we all are doing our own thing and we are doing it unapologetically it's like rent is that what you're saying i've never seen rent i, n- I neither have i isn't that crazy wow we're probably like the last two people in the world who haven't seen rent i don't know <laughs> that i'll ever see it I never wanted to see it. I uh, sorry to everyone who loves Rent out there and is like screaming right now, like it's the best musical ever. Nobody's saying that. No, nobody's saying that. Nobody's <laughs> saying that at all. Come wow. on. Okay, but that is what you were referring to. Uh, no, it was a Woody Allen movie, but I can't remember the name of it. Oh, um, Moon Over Manhattan. No. I'm just making things Moon up. Moon Over My. That does sound like a Woody Allen movie. Why <laughs> it wouldn't probably it be? is. Yeah. Let's just sit around and guess what Woody Allen movie you're talking about. It's. Um, well, that makes me think something, of something. I'll think of it within this uh, within this record. <laughs> that makes me think of something that I feel like could have been maybe in a Woody Allen movie, or it was more of a Larry David moment that I was having with. Um, Wait. Holy shit! That's loud. It's crazy. That's so loud. Whoa! If you're listening to this, I hope you can hear that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Totally. And yeah. also the the sma- the paddle smacking too. Oh. Like I don't know if it's a hand because if it's a hand, he's very good at it. But I think it's probably a paddle with holes in it or a mm-hmm. belt, mm-hmm. something something welty that'll yeah. leave like you know what I'm saying? Something welty. Yeah. Great. You know, like mm-hmm. wh- whatever you're into that leaves a nice red mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, good for you guys. I want it to look like I have poison oak all over my body by the time you're done with me. Oh, is probably okay. what she's thinking. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I want so many welts, it looks like I'm allergic. Yeah. I once um, was at a party where everyone was getting spanked with a paddle that had heart-shaped holes, so everyone was covered in little heart-shaped welts. Oh, would you would you join in for that kind of the whole party's doing it thing? I did get spanked with it, yes. Everyone did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did anyone swim with their shirt on in that instance? There was no swimming. It was winter in Seattle. I know, but my... my ex- <laughs> Why, why does it make sense in my brain every time? And then as soon as I say it out loud, everyone's like, dude, 
what? What are you talking about swimming with your shirt on? Like, did anyone get paddled with their clothes on? Like, they wouldn't go bare ass in front of everyone else. Yeah, it was very, like, you know, whatever whatever suits you. If you want to, like, have a bare ass and get smacked, great. And if you just want a light little tap over your tutu, fine. Got it. Yeah. On your hand? No. It had to be, like, the back of your leg or your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You could severely hurt someone if you paddled their hand. I think there's oh, a lot yeah, of delicate bones right. in the hand. Yeah. yeah. They're there. Are we helping them come? <laughs> wow. Okay. This up is like, that's some interesting interruptions there. Yeah. I wonder if we, when we listen back, if we'll be able to really truly hear it because otherwise. If not, just know that I refuse to edit this. Yeah. <laughs> No editing. It's a holiday <laughs> drop. I wanted to talk about the the moment that I was having that I thought would be funny in a Larry David. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment, that was hilarious. When we went to uh, get COVID tested at Dodger Stadium, there was a very long line of traffic, and I kept like pausing to let other cars pass through, and I wasn't getting a wave. Not one wave. Yeah, I didn't get any acknowledgement from any cars that were like you know accepting of the space that I was leaving between my vehicle and the next vehicle, and I was like, but I could have driven up. Yep. I could have, I could, I didn't have to hold that space for you. I could have driven up. I should get a wave. I didn't get a wave. Mm-mm. And next time I see you, I'm going to say, where's the wave? Yeah. Why didn't I get a wave? Uh, you probably space? remember me as the person you didn't wave to yeah. a couple of lights ago. And I could have driven up. I could have driven up. I didn't drive up and uh, you didn't give me a wave. So <laughs> you give me, that's the transactional nature of thank you for letting me go about my life. Yeah. I hold the space. You give me a wave. Boom, boom. Yeah. You don't give me a wave. I drive up next time. You're so, so you're and not, you know what it is? Uh-huh. You know what the worst part about that is? What? The next person who you drove up on mm-hmm. would have given you a wave. But right. that person ruined the drive up or mm-hmm. ruined it for everyone else. By not giving a wave. By not giving a wave. You got to give a wave. If they don't drive up, you give them a wave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very long line. Thank you to all of those people who are working at Dodger Stadium to get everyone tested right now in LA. It's a pretty incredible operation. Mm-hmm. Long lines or no, it was a very easy process. and uh, it was... It's literally lifting your hand mm-hmm. at the other person's eyes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shake your hand back and forth. You don't have to give a tip of it. You don't even have to move <laughs> your hand from like an up and down to a right angle. You don't even have to wave it. You just have to lift your hand I... as an appreciation point. I would even do a finger flick. Yes. You know, like a one finger off the steering wheel with like even an eyebrow lift. Mm-hmm. A tilt of the head. An acknowledgement. An acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. That's what we all need right now. Yeah. Everyone needs to acknowledge everything all the time. Mm-hmm. You know a- what I mean? Especially the small niceties. Yep. Yep. That's what's going to keep us all going. I yelled at a woman uh-huh. because I held the door open for her mm-hmm. and she walked in like she was Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. past me without even making eye contact. And I just went, you're welcome. Oh. And she looked back. She's like, what? And I was like, you're welcome. And man, this sounds like when I yell about <laughs> debit cards, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get arrested. But you know what I'm saying? I, I, I just like made me snap. I was like, you're welcome. Mm. I could have just like bustled through, bumped into you, waited for you to open it and snuck through on your opening. Mm-hmm. Many different options. I chose to hold the door open for you. So look at me. Yep. Look at me. I need the acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. You could have you driven up. <laughs> <laughs> I could have closed the door. You could have closed the door. You could have you done anything. <laughs> Acknowledge. Yep. Mm-hmm. I feel you. I had Acknowledge f- is power. I... Yeah. Yes, it is. I fucking had the door open in my kitchen this morning. Mm-hmm. Held that door open. Uh, bird flew in. <laughs> Straight into my house. 
<laughs> it was crazy. Did I, it give you a wave? A little it, wing it wave? Gave, it gave me full both wings band, both wings beating its poor little heart. It came I had the back door open to my outdoor space and my Archie was like sunning himself on the back step. It was very nice. Very quiet, chill. I was just listening to a podcast, you know, doing some laundry. And then this bird just flew into my kitchen and banged around the windowsill and then thank goodness flew right back up. Okay, thank goodness. <sighs> it but, felt like a weird omen though. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? I guess you would know because you're the bird whisperer. I don't know what a bird f- coming in, freaking out, and leaving again means. Yeah, yeah, it definitely uh, s- snapped me to attention. What kind of a bird? A uh, beautiful little bird. I don't know what it was. It looked sort of. Oh, rob- I was picturing like a big fat raven crow. Oh no, this was like a little robin. You know, kind of a finchy. Okay. A thrush, perhaps. A flitterer. A f- yes. Got it for sure. Not not hummingbird, not raven. Somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Finch, thrush, warbler sized. I'm gonna say. Nice. <laughs> Great. You know, could have been maybe a junco. Oh God! It was smaller than a scrub jay, <laughs> but bigger than a canary. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, you know. It was brown. I didn't didn't really get a good look at it because it was so fast. You know, it wasn't the it was names like, of so many fucking it was birds. Not a starling. <laughs> larger than a sparrow. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was in the thrush family. <laughs> If there's ever a bird murder mm. and the bird cops come by, yep. they found the right witness. Yeah. For okay. sure. Because you can to... describe the fucking... Hell yes. What you saw quite easily. How yep. tall was the victim? Uh, it was four inches long. Okay, so about a sparrow. Of... Yep. Larger than a sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was fucking wild. I was like, what does what does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. You know, when birds... Birds mean things. I mean, I just feel like they're always omens. You know, your owl attack or... Um, you know, like getting pooped on by a bird. Hmm. You know, I think there's two types of people in the world, and one of them thinks a bird just flew in and flew out, and the other one needs to think everything means something. And I am yeah. in the camp of everything means something, too. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah, it definitely felt um, just like the universe kind of sending me a little wake up, you know, you know, be alert. Be on your guard, I think, was like what I would take from it energetically. It was just like, you know, don't don't like sleepwalk your way through anything right now. Like that. Be vigilant. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the sign that the universe was sending me. I love that too, because when the bird goes, mm-hmm. it kind of did its job and you didn't have to deal with the bird. Thank goodness. You know, which <laughs> I, I love. Really I love a good sign. I like, you know, that's mm-hmm. a nice, like, you don't need to reply to this email. Right. And it's a one-way <laughs> message. Yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah cool do you Mm -hmm. want to get to some crazy stuff yes okay speaking of birds okay well um oh no i don't like that transition (laughs) i don't like that transition at all i know what i was gonna say but i don't want to say it okay let's just talk about killer mike and lp from run the jewels yes please okay great man we hung out at the emerge virtual cannabis conference all last week as hosts and some of the panels were fucking incredible and i think this was my favorite one of all was killer mike and lp talking with burner Mm -hmm. and um hold on i want to pull up the quotes that they said because they drop they drop knowledge in a way that I aspire to drop knowledge because it comes from a place of like passion and honesty and education that and experience and experience mm. yeah as well I, I remember what killer mike said he was like i was born on 420 i love marijuana and i miss being a drug dealer fucking yo <laughs> it was like fucking you're coming from the place of just like knowing from both sides like from you know fucking being an artist and an activist and also from selling selling weed yeah 
So it was just, you know, he's an incredible person with an incredible mind and an incredible artist. And uh, and LP was sitting in like this dark room. It was so funny, the two of them, because LP was like sitting kind of in, like in a darkened room and like he would just kind of like lean in out of the shadows every once in a while. You know, it's almost like a Mr. Robot hacker style situation yeah. where it's all under the cloak of almost darkness. It was very fucking cool. And he came in. What what was the quote that you well, wanted to say? It was him? when they were talking about how corporate cannabis is coming whether you like it or not mm-hmm. but things need to be in place so that everybody can eat at the table mm-hmm. and he said lp lp said you're making potholes with the tank that i paid for wow <laughs> yeah talking about like the insane taxes on cannabis yep like yo we're the ones suffering small businesses are suffering mm-hmm. everybody is suffering because of these bullshit taxes mm-hmm. that are coming from people who are trying to make their billion on the backs of other people yeah Fucking thank you, Run the Jewels. Yeah, it was great. It was such a fucking good panel. And, uh, you know, also the hemp panel at the Emerge conference was so fucking incredible. So good. Those four activists, it was Morris Beagle and... Um, Rye Russell. Oh, I'm going to forget the other Joy, two. Joy. Yes. Uh, and Andrea. And I can't remember either of their fucking last names. But anyway, it was just fucking great, like full of energy. And they were so on fire. Like they were more on fire for their love of hemp and how it's going to save the planet than almost anyone else at the conference. When you're titling your panel, Hemp May Save the World, Mm -hmm. and you don't come out as hot as they did. Yeah. I'm not going to believe it. Now, hemp's going to save the world. (laughs) It was so good. You know what else is uh, great in the news right now is uh, the Grubble Gazette news story of the week. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into that. Okay. The Grubble Gazette this week is a Florida man who spent 31 years in prison for a nonviolent marijuana crime has been released. That man's name is Richard DeLisi. Wow. Yeah. He was sentenced to 90 years in prison for a nonviolent uh, cannabis trafficking offense mm-hmm. in the 80s, right? 1989. Yeah. So he spent 31 years in prison and he just got out um, because there were some attorneys who were working on his case pro bono, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and The Last Prisoner Project, who, if you don't know anything about them, feel free to Google The Last Prisoner Project or find them on any of the social media sites you may be a bit addicted to, like me. But um, <laughs> They were just given a, a Clio Award at the um, Cannabis Conference 100%. for impact and social justice. So. And they do make an impact. Yep. Um, yeah. So the um, I don't know the attorney's name off the oh, top I of do. my head. I have it right here, actually. It's um, Kiara, I think, Juster. Awesome. She was the lead attorney working pro bono on that case. And um, yeah, she called the original sentence, quote, a sick indictment of our nation. Fucking A. Preach. She uh, and uh, the other attorneys, Elizabeth Buchanan and Michael Minardi, worked to get Delisi out. And yeah, it's just a fucking great story. So he's home for the holidays. Yeah. For and the first I w- time in 32 years. I want to read the final paragraph of this news story because it's exactly that. Um, Delisi's family met with him when he was released Tuesday. Um, he met two of his five grandchildren for the first time ever, enjoyed a seafood meal with his family after getting a test for COVID-19. Fucking A. Wow. Right. That's a great story. It's so, and that seafood meal. Mm. So um, things are things are good. Things, yeah. things are positive. When they move in the right way, I feel better about life. Of course. You know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Another thing that's moving in a cool direction for us is that we just, can we say that we got in? Yeah. To what? South, South by, by Southwest. Southwest. Woo! 
What the fuck? Yeah, it's super exciting. South by Southwest 2021 is going to be virtual, and we are in with our panel, and we will be sharing lots of information about it in the coming weeks and months because um, we're so fucking excited about it. Absolutely. Can I just read the track <laughs> yeah. that we're on? Because I think that, to me, is the biggest honor. It's our, really cool. I mean, our panel is... Um, my internet... It's oh, art, entertainment. They must be uploading their OnlyFans because okay. this is taking forever. <laughs> there art. we go. Yeah. Um, art, entertainment, and social justice awareness is the name of our panel. But our our um, our uh, track that we're on is called Transforming the Entertainment Landscape. And boy, oh boy, that feels so seen to me because mm-hmm. we work so hard to try and have a great time together while also doing our best to be the best we can to change the world in a better way. So fucking hell. So nice. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who voted for us and helped us get in. And it does feel really cool. They got rid of the cannabis track. So there's no cannabis specific track. And it just it means the world to be in a transforming the entertainment landscape track, which is, yeah, like you said, I'm just repeating it. It's exactly what we want to do with everything we do. Like have a great time and make the world a better place. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Come on. It's a nice way to end the year. It is. End the year strong. Um, also, to all of you who voted for us, who have been riding with us, all of our new listeners who may have found us just now, like, what up? Thank you so much for being on this journey with us. Thank you so much. It just fucking means the world. And we've had such great fucking like times in the craziest of years i've made so many new friends virtually and you know excited to see everyone in 2021 probably virtually some more yeah i'm <laughs> for thinking a while. i'm thinking about renting a uh, hot air balloon so that i can oh, go visit with people that sounds nice isn't that nice yeah have i talked about that idea on here i don't know uber air balloon i don't think so i haven't i don't know oh, i think it'd be i think it's the new way that entertainment is going to happen like you can do stand-up in a hot air balloon over a cul-de-sac you can visit with friends safely mm-hmm. you know and you get to do it in a way that's never been done before i think uber air balloon is going to be <laughs> like fuck a private jet yeah what a flex if drake would get rid of his private jet and float down to the um, to the grammys yes. in an air balloon from his house such a better flex <laughs> fuck your limo that's so much cooler fuck your limo we're in hot air balloons out here <laughs> love it wouldn't that be so dope <laughs> yeah it touches down on the red carpet and you just like shake hands with them and the hot air balloon just lifts back up <laughs> bye wait did you just say shake hands you nobody's gotta, shaking hands mike with the handshakes. hot air balloon driver no nobody shakes it, hands there's uh, no handshakes anymore handshakes are done okay no I, you just made me nervous with handshakes <laughs> like i might okay. get close enough for a fucking elbow bump maybe probably okay. not forget the I'm handshake i'm gonna get a poking stick this is what I'm going to do for 2021. I'm going to get a stick and I'm going to poke people with it. It's going to be great. As a high? Yeah, as a hello. <laughs> you'll 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 feel the end of my stick in your ribs and you'll feel touched and it'll be great. It's going to be like the new handshake. Stick in the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me a wave. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a wave. You get a stick in the ribs. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um Wow. Well, I hope that, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's the new poke. Sorry. I didn't know where to go from there. So (laughs) it's a poke. Um, uh, Can I finish, can I finish my hot air balloon thought? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, please. Um, I think it's also a really cool flex if you hot air balloon everywhere, because you know how you'll see famous people who have drivers and the driver just sits in the cut next to the Escalade the whole time until you're ready to go. Yeah. They're the coolest. It's the coolest move. Always. Mm -hmm. But if you have a hot air balloon just idling over the club until you're ready to dip, <laughs> uh-huh. fuck the valet, 
fuck giving your keys to someone else, having your driver hang out at the fucking car. You just like boop boop, and then the hot air balloon driver comes down, and you open the basket, and you and your crew fucking hop in and float back to the mansion. Ugh. I love that. I would love if there was a the ladder, you know, the like the ladder that unrolls oh, yeah. from a hot air balloon. Yeah, so the hot air balloon is just high enough up that you know they can flip down the ladder to you, mm-hmm. and you have to climb up a few, and then they. Yeah, that's that's really great. cool. I like it. It's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. The latter is the move. <laughs> Hell yes, I'm on board. Uber air balloon. I'm saying it. Got Come it. on, Uber air balloon and stick in the ribs. These are our. <laughs> this is what we're. This is what we're going with today. South by Southwest is like. I guess. I <laughs> sure. Whatever you guys think, that's fine. It's all virtual. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, this man. is a really fun one. Yeah. Ending the year strong. Fucking A. Yeah. I had such a good time having our own like two person holiday party with you too to like celebrate not only the end of the year and the closing of the Emerge conference and all that kind of stuff, but just to be like, yeah, like let's let's have a little smoke sesh for our own holiday fun and just, you know, kick it and pretend we're at a holiday party. I think so. Us. I would feel really weird on a Zoom holiday party. Yeah. So just to like kick it with you, light up some late grade, yeah. smoke, take some fun pictures of us just <laughs> living the uh, Christmas party that we don't get to throw this year for all our friends. Yeah. It was awesome. really great to be able to be with everyone last year. And we went to the Cannabis Cafe and we had like 12 people around a huge table and we just were like, keep it all coming, like bong rip after bong rip. And our friends Charlotte and Eric, like we're our, our weed sort of concierges. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Speaking that- of, I want to shout out Lake Grade Sativa. Oh, yeah. As a con- as a connoisseur, or I'm trying to be a connoisseur. Okay. I just want to shout out their Sativa because I woke up a little bit hungover the other day, mm-hmm. and I hope that's okay to talk about the fact that I like drank whiskey uh, while watching The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Everyone is drinking whiskey and watching The Flight Attendant. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm, yes. Well, I just had so much to do, so I like did a little woke and boke with the Sativa, the mm-hmm. Lake Sativa, and all of a sudden my mind is firing. It's the pour over of puffs oh. is really what it felt like to me. Dope. Yeah, Lake Grade rocked me with the pour over of puffs with their sativa. And if you want to check out Lake Grade, you can go on Ease and use the code HOLIDAYS, D-A-Z-E, 30, mm-hmm. for 30% off your order. For real, for real. Cannot Through co-sign them enough. The end of the year, I think, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, okay, it's great. all month. Yep. Cool. Woo. Hit them up. Try something new. It's sun-grown. It's organic. It's delicious. Yep. I never feel like weird when the high comes down Mm -hmm. sometimes you can get a little muddy Mm -hmm. with certain strains for me i feel awesome i feel energetic i feel alive and that's all i want in a plant is to help me feel alive is the pour over nice fuck yeah thank you lake grade yeah thank you guys it's been really cool fucking rocking with lake grade yeah oh well did do you still have the pictures from our holiday party yeah Okay, cool. Uh-huh. I want to post some of those. Yep. Tight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Because really you know nice. how to do a French inhale, which I don't know how to do. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember mastering that when I was a teenager. And when I like just sat in front of a mirror and figured out how to do it because I thought it was so cool. My friend Roz, I think, was the first person I saw do it. And I was like, what is that? It looks like a waterfall, like a smoke waterfall. Yeah. It's very cool. Flex. I can teach you. Could you? Yeah, totally. I would really love Because then you, you, uh, you hit the... Uh, I think it was that late grade Budzilla and mm-hmm. you blew like nine smoke rings in a row. Yep. I can teach you. God damn. It's easy to learn. Okay. Yeah. Smoke tricks. Sure. Let's do it. Please teach me. Shall we um, get to our Buds of the Week? Yeah. Let's do and that and then get to our VIB Sophia. Hell yes. Okay. Uh, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay. 
my butt of the week this week. Hold on, I'm pulling them up. You would think doing this podcast for nine years, I would have my phone ready at any time. Nine but years? I never do. That's pandemic time. <laughs> my, butt of the week, my butt of the week this week is Matt Greenberg. That's Greenberg with a U for Berg. Greenberg77 is his Instagram or their Instagram. I'm not sure what their pronouns are. And not only is this somebody new who we kicked it with at Emerge, but also has a really cool Etsy shop called Made This On My Laser and cut up some weed and grew up pins with the laser. Um, has a bunch of dope stuff on their Instagram. So if you're looking for a great gift to support a human being who has beliefs, dreams, and artistic talent, and want to just make a new bud on the IG, follow Matt Greenberg at Greenberg77. Nice. And speaking of artistic talent, my bud of the week is uh, my friend Lizzie Steelheart's band, Bikini Car Wash, and we're going to drop their track at the end of this episode after our amazing chat with our guest Sophia and the track is called Surface and Bikini Car Wash just came out with a new album of fucking bangers the album is called Nothing I Can See it's on Spotify right now the band is Bikini Car Wash fronted by my very good friend Lizzie Steelheart who is just an incredible human being who kicks ass and they're the most fun to see live so I'm excited to see them live again someday and perform this fucking amazing new album because they're so fun I want to go jump up and down they're fucking like just so punk rock they're great so at bikini car wash rocks on ig check out their new album on spotify nothing i can see and that is uh but the week that's so good and yeah. our vib this week sophia oh man <sighs> somebody who loves anarchy the truth and f- knows who they are and is funny as fuck funny as fuck (laughs) so yes you probably already follow sophia benoit on twitter it's at one follower no dad (laughs) one is the numeral one not o-n-e one follower no dad funny as hell i mean you know you don't get 115,000 followers if you're not hilarious and also has a new book coming out called well this is exhausting and she's a sex columnist for gq magazine come on yeah she's so insightful and thoughtful and funny and real and cool and funny and cool and hot yeah all of it (laughs) all of those things things. it was just really neat to get to talk with her about how she developed her worldview i mean you know she she got into it with us so very nice i like anybody who has deep insight Mm -hmm. and is educated on those insights but at the end of the day is like and destroy it yeah and burn it all down (laughs) and also let's have fun yeah it goes it ties into bikini car wash so perfectly this episode is synchronistic it was a lot of fun and listen we're wrapping up our year we've got one more episode left to drop in 2020 and it's a fucking great interview as well and i'm just so proud of like having had so many incredible guests on this podcast and also just hanging out with you and making it through this year, Mike. So thank you, Mary Jane. Same to you. And And thank you to everyone who listens. Like, thank you to all of our, our people out there. All, all of you make our lives so much fucking better, truly. So thanks for rocking with us. Damn. That's a nice, that's so (laughs) nice. I have nothing more to say. Ready to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. Without further ado, here's our interview with Sophia Benoit. Sophia, what the fuck is up? Is this the intro? <laughs> like, am, I, am I ready yeah. to go? I can say things now? Okay. Um, yes. I, uh, not much is up. I am... Well, two things have recently happened. One, I finished writing a book that I'm working on. So that's kind of a bizarre thing to be doing in quarantine. And then um, on a bizarre other note, I got... Um, 
kind of a boob job because of reconstruction from a non-cancerous tumor I had a couple years ago. So I am leaving quarantine with a new book and new tits. So yeah. Wow. Take that 2020. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like a lot of people are doing like, um, small cosmetic procedures in quarantine and hoping to come out looking better. And I went for the gold. I was like, let's get new boobs. Let's just do it. How does it feel? How was the experience? It was kind of, it was way more painful than I thought, which gave me a lot more respect for the cast of The Real Housewives of Every City. I was like, (laughs) okay, I see you, my my sisters. Um, And I was trying to think of the word for brethren for sisters, but I don't know if there is one. Sorority? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Does the doctor tell you how long until you can flip a table again? Yeah, it's at least six weeks. And they do. They're clear. Yeah, I have have like three more weeks to go before I can flip a table. I'm not allowed. I can barely throw a wine glass at someone. They're like, (laughs) "Mm, keep it low key. (laughs) Good drugs? Good drugs? Oh, I have so many drugs. Like my house should be targeted for a break-in. Please don't if anyone knows where I live, but I have so many good drugs right now. Are you in California? Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I can't say my address because I have so many good drugs, you know, but yeah. <laughs> otherwise I'd put it on the air, but so many good drugs here. Yeah. Ooh, damn. I want, I don't know if I want any of them. When I had surgery, I was put on a bunch of drugs and they made me so constipated that I was in more pain than when I wasn't taking those drugs. That's no joke why I weaned myself off of the painkillers faster. Because I was like, I have not shat in like a week now. And I feel worse than if I had just been in pain, I think. I was like, I think I was also just losing my mind. Like my body was in a different shape than it had been before. Plus I was like not shitting. And I was like, this is the worst situation I feel. And like because of the quarantine, I wasn't leaving my house. So I was like in PJs. I was like, I feel like the disgustingest version of myself. I have to get off painkillers now, <laughs> immediately. That's so intense. I have actually never experienced it. Like I've, n- I don't know what it's like. And I hear people talk about it. I'm like, it just sounds like true hell. It's not. I mean, the the one that I, the drug that I really liked was actually because I have a lot of back pain already, um, and you can't. You have to like sleep on your back with new boobs so you can't even sleep on your side at all for the first like three weeks or so so you get really stiff because you can't move at night and so Mm. they gave me like a muscle relaxant but I thought they were just going to give me like normal ass muscle relaxant but they gave me Valium and I was like I don't even know if this is supposed to be a muscle (laughs) relaxant is this my doctor was just like sure have Valium I was like I I don't want (laughs) to police what your degree gave you and the knowledge yeah. therein but am i supposed to have valium 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 sounds like that thing that you're supposed to have with like a martini in the 70s and like yes. fun at a party or like you know yeah it sounds yeah. like what all of our parents did to get pregnant with us like yeah <laughs> fun. i was like i don't know if i'm supposed to have this but that one was nice i was like okay i feel nothing i feel no pain i feel that was great. So if anyone needs Valium, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Or hit up Dr. Nick, who I assume is your doctor, the Simpsons doctor, is yes. also who you work with? Yes, cool. yes, yes. Exclusively. Yes. Great. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about the book. So you finished, well, I know, well, this is exhausting. Yes. Is out, right? It's available for pre-order finally. So I got to reveal the cover. I got to say like, here, you can order it now. Um, It will be officially out in July of 2021, which 
is actually just July now. I forget. I keep forgetting that we've like that. It's now the next July that's happening because um, time is fake now. Sophia, I'm still writing 2019 on all my checks, <laughs> and you write a lot of checks. I bet, and I'm writing so many checks, and they all bounce, <laughs> and they all bounce. <laughs> and it, the issue is not the date that I wrote, but <laughs> I'm still getting it wrong. So, is it? Uh, it's a collection of essays, right? Yes, so it's um, hopefully funny essays that are kind of a journey, overused word, but a journey of, like, me being this little, like, very goody-two-shoes, overweight kid who, like, did everything right all the time as a kid, and then kind of, like, I was really a good kid for my parents, and then I turned into this, like, chill girl in college who did everything for men and for, like, the male gaze and, like, trying to be... Basically trying to be a slut, but not succeeding at all, but trying really hard. And then kind of like the end, the culmination of it is like how I got past this idea of behaving for other people and getting into more doing what I wanted to do and actually being a person that was unaffected or less affected if people didn't like me, um, which I think is really hard to do. I think it's, it's hard to, I mean, I, everyone that I know still struggles with it. It's not here automatically just like oh yeah, I'm totally cool with myself and it doesn't ever bother me if someone doesn't like me. Um, But just like kind of that change of learning how to be like, I'm, I know what I stand for. I know what I'm about. um, That kind of thing. Where was that wellspring? Where did, where did it all start? That sort of reckoning for you? um, I think most of the like actual change came from Twitter, which is like such a bizarre place when people are always (laughs) like, you're not going to change anyone's mind on Twitter. Like I came to Twitter, like a 17 or 18 year old white girl who was like, I vote Democrat. And therefore like, I've done everything I can. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know what else we could do. Um, so I like definitely came to Twitter very naive and very like, I thought uh, like sexist jokes were super funny and I wanted to be like one of the guys. And like, I came to the internet with that mindset. And then I made all these friends in college that were comedian guy bro kind of like really like wanting to be like the chill girl in the group the token girl and I like tried really hard at that and for a while succeeded and then I think this like hurricane of events happened at one time which was like this guy that I had been friends with didn't like me back even though I was so chill and I was like this is the math doesn't add up here wait a minute <laughs> I put in like hours of being a cool nice person with no expectations (laughs) what do you mean um and then I just saw all these women online that were like putting up with bad treatment and um like not being okay with it instead of being okay with it and so all these like dominoes kind of fell and um and I felt like I had been like again like I didn't take risks I like hadn't been in a room with cocaine until I was like 27 years old and like one time I found a baggie on the floor that was small and my friend was like someone was doing coke and my I was like someone lost a bag for jewelry and they were like no (laughs) you're a dumbass like what is wrong with you I was like I'm from Missouri I don't know things Uh, not that people from Missouri don't know what drugs are (laughs) they do we do I mean we're both from St. Louis but you know we'll get there yeah Um, I love that you were like, oh, I hope they're already wearing the earrings. <laughs> That's literally what I thought. Like, because like some jewelry does come in little bags like that, like the little Ziplocs. And my 
that's literally what I thought. I was like, someone purchased new earrings. And my friend was like, no, Sophia, someone did cocaine. Also, this was in a green room for a comedy show. So, like, why would it be, <laughs> why would it be earrings? Why, you know? So, I just, like, I've been so good for so long, I felt like. Like, I had taken no risks and, like, done all these, like, good things. And, like, it wasn't working for me. And I wasn't getting anything out of it other than just, like, being quiet or trying to be quiet all the time and, like, trying to, like, be chill and cool and, like, people didn't even care. And I was like, wait, no, I'm supposed to be, like, rich and hot at least. Like, where? what's the benefit? Um, so then I kind of just, like, gave up. And so, like, that's kind of where the title came from is, like, I think it's less that I, like had this like fully formed thesis in my mind about like my version of feminism and or something like that. It wasn't that it was more just like, I was so tired all the time of like trying really hard that I like kind of just gave up and was like, ah, fuck it. I don't know <laughs> if you perceive me in this certain way. I get, I don't know. I'm not in charge anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be in charge. So that's kind of what the, the shift was. But um, I tried for a really long time to like write a fun book that was like, and then I slept with this person and then I, did drugs with this cool celebrity and then I I like spent years trying to write that book because I'd seen other women write it or write similar funny books um <laughs> and finally my agent was like I don't think you have those stories and I was like <laughs> okay and that's a good note <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. when you got sort of exhausted and you were like okay I'm gonna do something differently was there something that you hooked into to be okay with people not liking you? Was there something that you used as like a, a, a place of safety to be like, I'm going to be okay no matter what? Was there a moment you had? Was there a, a friend or a, how did you do it? Because I'm so thirsty to know. <laughs> you were <laughs> a goody two-shoe girl. We all were. I, I Yeah, and I, I think that one of the things that I struggle with the most is that terrible feeling that I get in my stomach, like a physical feeling of discomfort when I think that I might have um, not made the best impression and that someone might be in some way not completely 100% all about. Like, it's very fucked up how we do that. And I'm just so fascinated to know like how you made peace with it and then became this incredible, powerful fucking voice and my favorite follow on Twitter. Like, Oh my God. That's huge. well, we need to have you follow way more people on Twitter. <laughs> no, <I'm just, laughs> um, no, I think, so there's a couple things. Like, I think it started for me with um, like the thing I kind of hooked into was, this is going to be kind of a weird answer, but was like anger. I was like very defensive and very also, I felt like protective of, other women and younger women and my sister, my literal younger sisters, I felt like I was so angry about what was happening. And it was like very much through like a white feminist lens kind of thing of like, like almost like not as harmful, I hope, but like Lena Dunham-y kind of way that was like a little too much. Like I was just angry and I shouldn't probably use an example of another person because I don't know what they're going through, but it, it was anger, anger, anger. And so I think I started with that, which was, like, super powerful for me as someone who was, like, a quiet, not quiet kid. Like, I was always joking all the time in class and really annoying. But I wasn't, like, speaking up for people. I wasn't speaking up for myself. I was just, I had no beliefs and I had nothing that I thought was true and nothing that I was fighting for for other people. So it was, like, all of a sudden, once I, like, kind of had the world open up to me and was, like, oh, my God, the world's really unfair to marginalize people, whether that's, like... LGBTQ, whether that's people with disabilities, whether that's 
anyone of a different race that's not white. Um, you know, I, I, women obviously was like a huge entry point for me, which is, you know, I shouldn't have needed it to be about me, but I did because I was, you know, 19 and I was an idiot. And so then it was like, I don't care what the fuck you think about me because it's like the world's so unfair that like, fuck you, we're dying of climate change. Like, so that was the first step. And then I think it was like a shift eventually and it, it came from other people, but it was like, this isn't getting anywhere. And in fact, it's making people feel bad and making me feel bad. And I'm angry all the time. And that isn't really, again, it's not doing anything for anyone. I'm not taking any real actions for anyone. Um, And I think in some ways it it did make other people and especially other young women feel like they could also be angry about what had happened to them. And I, I got people that reached out and said things like that to me, which felt good at the time. So it was like felt really affirming, but it wasn't doing anything. So eventually it kind of paired back to like, okay, what do you really believe about how you ought to treat people? And if you go do that, if you genuinely go do that or attempt to do that, then you can't be wrong. Like, I I mean, at least to me, like I can't, I can't be wrong if I'm following my moral code and I can hurt people and I can harm people and I can apologize, but I'm not doing harmful things on purpose, you know? So then I had this, this like, actual belief system that I could fall back on and be like, if I'm wrong, I know I can apologize. And it doesn't mean somebody is going to take my apology. I could still be wrong. I could still harm someone even if I don't mean to. But I have this like really strong foundation of like, I believe these things are right. And I believe this is the right way to act. And all of a sudden, I have this like genuine belief system that has been amended and changed a million times since then. So it's not like it's like this concrete thing. But like, at some point I became confident enough in what I believed and how I could treat people and how I could learn and grow and listen more and talk less and just be, take up less space and just be calmer and be more helpful. And if I could do those things and just like kind of chill out a little, not in a chill girl way, but in a like, don't take up as much space and don't be angry all the time. And um, then I felt like I was I was just like, you know, if you don't like me or you don't need me here or you don't want me here, I'm allowed to be hurt by that. That's like still hurtful. Like, of course, it's a rejection, but that doesn't have to change anything about me, which before it did. Before it was like, you don't like me? Okay, time to change literally everything so that I can adjust. So I feel like it was like a long, that's probably like a very generous uh, backwards look at something that was not that you know, <laughs> perfect narratively <laughs> in real life. But, um, you know. How do you find the tone when you write something like that so that I'm not... If I was writing your book, I would be... It would be super personal and it would more sound like pages of complaining about how things didn't work out the way I wanted them to work out and then blaming myself for it. Like, how do you strike a tone that is is uh, truthful but also entertaining without sounding like a maniac? That's like su- that's such a good question because I after I picked the title well this is exhausting I spent so long telling myself that like if I didn't do this book right so many like reviews of this book like literally people writing reviews on Amazon not like you know famous reviews but like were people going to be like this was exhausting to read. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just screwed myself. <laughs> like, like I, as soon as I wrote that title, I was like, I have to make sure that this is fun enough to read that, it, that I don't get this is exhausting thrown at my face because I made it the title. Uh, so I think what I tried really hard to do was find the, this balance between 
really empathizing with my younger self and being like, oh, girl, you really struggled. <laughs> um, but also being like, I really em tried to empathize with my younger self and see where I was coming from and dissect why I was coming from things that way and what it felt like to experience those things. Um, but I also was like, this is still funny and absurd because like, like there's something so funny about being this like young fat kid who was so horny all the time and was like watching Grease every day because she loved John Travolta. <laughs> like, like that's funny. Like I was so, I was such a little like loser and like, I don't know. It's cute. It's fine. And it's not harmful to anyone. Like I, it doesn't, it doesn't harm anyone to be like, this is life is like this. Like life is like this for all of us where you have these moments where you're like, what the fuck was I wearing in sixth grade? I looked so dumb, you know, like, I think that was what I tried to to get the 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 entry point I tried to make for other people is it's okay that you did a a thing that was really embarrassing back then or it's okay that it was hard and you struggled like it's not it doesn't kill you it's okay you know like these the small moments I shared like there are people with real problems so I kind of tried to address the stories with that attitude is like this is not I was struggling with you know, having food as a kid, or I was struggling with shelter as a kid. Like, this is not a, a massive, massive problem. But when you're in sixth grade, it feels like a huge problem that this guy doesn't like you back because you're a sixth grader. And like, that's, you're an idiot. I don't know. It's and the idea of being compassionate to yourself in order to, like, this is actually new to me is because I was raised to be hard on myself. Like, that yes. was sort of like the, the stoicism of where I come from, from, like, my British father who grew up during the Second World War and my rural Canadian mother. And it was like, hardship is a fact. And the harder you are on yourself, the better you'll be set up to succeed in life. And I'm now learning that actually being compassionate to yourself lets you be then compassionate to others. If you're hard on yourself, you're going to be hard on others. This is like this whole new thing that's emerging in my, you know, new life in California. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all very new. Um, so I don't know. I'm just fascinated to like hear about you specifically looking at your younger self and saying like, first and foremost, you have to sort of like fold her into who you are now and be kind to that younger you and start from there. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I had a, um, a, a somewhat similar experience, I feel like, of parents who were not less so my mom, but my dad is the children of immigrants and grew up incredibly poor and was like the self-made person that like went from not having a bedroom as a kid and never having gone to a restaurant until he was like in his 20s because he was too poor to like making lots of money at one point in his life. And so in his mind there was this attitude, like you said, of like, be hard on yourself and like work so hard. And like, there wasn't much like, again, there's not much self-compassion. But I think one of the, I mean, I think where a lot of my humor tries to come from, at least, is like, it is so funny to me, ultimately, that like, we're these little animals on a rock in space that are like, worried about ourselves. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> Like, when I look in the mirror and I'm mad about cellulite, like, sometimes I zoom out and I'm like, okay, literally, you're alive for a blip in time and no one gives a shit about your cellulite. Like, no one cares. It's okay. <laughs> Chill out. But I also have compassion for the other side of it, which is like, but also you've been made to feel bad about this. 
like somebody else told you this was bad and you believe them, which is like hard to undo. And you're not going to undo it by yourself just the way it wasn't built by yourself. You know, like you can't undo all of it. So I think I think it's it's really important, like you said, to to fold yourself back into yourself and say, like, you've got a lot of fears. You've got a lot of anxiety. You're a disaster in a lot of ways. And that's okay. Like everybody is. Everyone's walking around first time on Earth. No one knows what they're doing. It's fine. Oh, it is our first time on Earth. That's a fucking trip. <laughs> it's our first time. <laughs> this is your first time being alive. You don't know. Yeah, right? That makes it a lot easier to grapple with everything when it's like, oh, I'm still a rookie at life. Uh-huh. It's my first time here. Right? God damn. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so funny that we expect ourselves to be so good at being alive the first time when we, like, do not expect ourselves to be good at literally anything else the first time. other than like maybe sex but also we all know ultimately like it's not gonna be good but like we you kind of secretly hope that like maybe i'm one of those people that's good the first time (laughs) yeah no (laughs) no 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 nobody it was terrible everyone's terrible and that's what we're doing life-wise like it's still our we're in the like losing the virginity stage of being alive you know (laughs) it's so fucked up because by the time i i figure it out like I'm gonna be done with it. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, damn, oh word, and then that's the end. Like my exactly. last words will be, oh word. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You will have just figured it out at the very end, and you'll be like, oh, mm, shit. Yep. Okay. Next time, I'll next get him next time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Your next last time. words are next time. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. The concept that being alive in grief or in sadness or any state of discomfort is just as valuable and as much a bigger part of things so much of the time than being in happiness or comfort. And, um, I think like, especially in America, it, it's, you know, the idea is that we're, we're supposed to be constantly joyous and happy and everything is geared toward that. Like all marketing, all movies, all, you know, things that are quote unquote good. And there's, right now like I find myself really attracted to what you're talking about and what you're writing about in a way that I hope the whole world will soon shift towards like that we need we all need to sit in discomfort I mean God you know 2020 is a if if you're comfortable in 2020 <laughs> yeah, then yes. what the hell yes, yes. <laughs> like wow if you're comfortable this year that's I mean, good, you know, good for you, but also you shouldn't be. Yeah, right. and I know you listen to this podcast, David Geffen, so <laughs> we're speaking about you directly. <laughs> but just so valuable and so amazing to hear you articulate it like that. Like, it's just, yeah, we, we all need to examine all of it. And it's all, it's a huge tapestry, and we've all been zoomed in on this, like, one fucking corner of, like, ooh, let's all get that, you know, part but that's that's just not what it's like that's not you're not going to be happy you you can't be happy if you're not looking at the rest of it yeah and I I mean I think this is going to be kind of weird but um not that the rest of what I said isn't but um but I (laughs) but I feel like um I I about like six years ago I had this huge I, I read a news article while I was on vacation and it was about climate change potentially killing off the human race, which it turns out the study's kind of flawed and the outcomes they described were very unlikely. Um, but I had this like massive panic attack about it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be like a little Italian Nona making meatballs because my children and grandchildren will not survive. Um, which again, 
who knows what's going to happen. But I had this massive panic attack that turned into like days and weeks of just massive grief over this idea of like, I thought I was supposed to be like this size two famous actress and that I was going to own dogs and horses just like Julia Roberts did because I read an article about her when I was six and that became my career goal was to have dogs and horses. And I figured the easiest way was to become a famous actress, America's Sweetheart. None of that's on track, by the way. (laughs) I I do actually have one dog, so I'm getting closer, but I do not have what Julia Roberts has yet. But I just like had this massive amount of grief of like, oh my God, I was supposed to be doing all this, like all these career goals that I really thought were so cool and important were just kind of like in that moment shattered of like, what the fuck am I doing writing a fuck like what am I doing writing jokes online we're dying you know so it was this huge kind of realignment for me where I came down from the highest highs of the grief which is like we're doomed everything's awful nothing's worth doing um but what it really adjusted in me was like okay let go of the idea that you have any idea what's coming next because you have no idea like we are in for so much unpredictability on a scale that like most generations have never seen and so, like, that again, that was probably about five or six years ago. And I really, it took a long time to, like, be okay with being, like, you don't know what's coming down the pipe. Let's see. And, like, what you think is important and fun and cool and what would be cool in, like, a normal world that, like, had adjusted its emissions back in, like, <laughs> 1980. Uh you know, partying on yachts, which I think sounds amazing. I would love to be on a yacht. I love boats. Let's do it. But, like it's not good. I can't do it ethically anymore. <laughs> like, so those guys, I mean, I'm also not getting offers. If anyone does offer from this podcast, please forward that to me. I will do it, but like low key and make sure no photos of me get leaked. But David Geffen. <laughs> yeah. David Geffen. I know you're listening. Um, but I feel like that big, huge adjustment of like, okay, stop expecting that. Like, you know how the world's going to go and you don't have this, like buy a house, have kids, be rich, be thin, be whatever. That stuff's not coming down the line, probably. Or if it is, it's coming down the line in a way you can't imagine yet. Um, That made me a lot, I think, a lot more prepared for the pandemic than a lot of people. Also, I read a lot about, like, futurism and, and, uh, you know, like, antibiotic-resistant pandemics. Like, I was already reading about some of the stuff when the pandemic came, so I was like, yes, that's exactly what was going to happen. Sure, sure, sure. Because I'm (laughs) a loser. But, um, But, yeah, I think, I think, a lot of people are doing a lot of grieving right now because they thought, like, oh, I can imagine the future. And I think it's really hard to face the reality that, like, no, you have no idea what's coming. Like, we don't know. We just don't know. I th- And I think I remember um, seeing you kind of tweet a lot about meat at this time. I think it was, what were you, was it about, yes. like, we need to stop eating meat, right? Yes, yes, and, yes. yo, like, enough is enough. There are other alternatives out here, and the 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 magnitude of of meat consumption for what it does to the earth is like destroying everything. Am I on the right track for yeah. what you were reading about? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this is for people who can afford to make changes, and like, obviously, tons of people are in like food deserts and have very low access to food and need protein for health reasons and like all kinds of things like that. Like, I'm making it. This should not be on any individual. I get that. Like, it shouldn't be. Ideally, like, ideally, we just like sue corporations into the ground and you know like rebuild society in a good way um i'm sorry to interrupt but you are so much more of an anarchist than i ever knew oh no like (laughs) totally i i i just think 
I think you have to like, I think so much stuff needs to be broken down for people to not be harmed and not be dying. And like, to me, that's like the priority is like, let's not have people die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like in a low key chill way, let's not kill people. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just like really calm yeah. vibes. She's such a chill girl. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Super chill. Break it all down. Burn yeah. it. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> burn it to the ground. Like in a low key way. But it chill. doesn't threaten anyone. <laughs> And burn it to the ground but chill but chill and people still find me hot but burn it to the ground so that's kind of like my political party platform is just find me hot still um but i'm dismantling everything <laughs> this is this is my new manic pixie dream girl this is the the 2.0 uh, hot but chill but burn it down but anarchy yes but yes anarchy, but, but hot cool. but, but hot. hot yeah exactly <laughs> like sexy anarchy like ooh, lots of sex no death no death <laughs> we hate death <laughs> oh, oh man fucking sign me up this for that so party good. i'm here <laughs> yeah it's gonna be really successful <laughs> so many people are gonna be in but yeah so I, I just started reading about like meat consumption a lot and uh Turns out red meat is, like, terrible for the world in general. Or the way we're doing it is terrible for the world. So um, I stopped eating red meat for a very long time. And then I, like, would try it again occasionally for, like... If I go to someone's house, I'm not going to be like, fuck your red meat, I'm not eating this, and, like, throwing it on the floor. Um, While taking a selfie yeah, and to I'm make like, sure that... fuck you! Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, you, the listeners can't see this, but I just put up my middle finger. It was very offensive. Um, and... <laughs> Everyone at that party was very offended by my display. But I would eat red meat every once in a while. And, like, I would literally get sick because I hadn't been eating red meat. But I would still keep, like, trying to force the issue. I was like, no, body, you can handle this. Like, I need to be able to, like, eat a burger occasionally. But now I'm to the point where I'm just like, what am I doing? I, like, literally feel sick eating red meat on accident. Like, I want to eat red meat again occasionally. I I don't want to be, like, crazy about it, but... What are your thoughts about the um, factory-grown or lab-grown meat? I love it. I make so much stuff with Impossible Meat. Like, if you just make little burgers with it. I make little burgers and put them on Hawaiian rolls, and they're so cute. It's amazing. It's so good. Get some, like, sharp cheddar cheese. Mm. But that is a meat substitute. I mean, I love that. But, you know, they're actually growing, I think, lab-growing meat from animal protein cells. Or I'm not sure how they're doing it. I don't really know much about it. But do you have – where does that land in your world? I think from what I've read, a lot of that's – a lot of those things are on such small scales that they're still producing a ton of um, emissions because they're – like, the emissions for literally having a lab – you know, like having like keeping lights on at a lab and keeping temperature control at a lab and like that kind of stuff is still counts as emissions. Um, and I think it's I think a huge issue is when you look at like anything like that, if we were running everything on like a solar grid or a wind grid, having a lab would have such a smaller footprint and then it would be a lot better. So it's not just like like there's no there's no way to consume very well right now because you have no good options. Like no one's giving you options that are good and we're just not picking them. There's just no good options because our entire infrastructure is like so not sustainable. So I think it's like making as many good choices as you can as a person, but also just like really pushing for us to burn everything to the ground. Fuck yeah. Here we yep. go. Fuck yeah, because you're making me think of McDonald's, which is just a heinous corporation top to bottom. But instead of actually making any changes, they just added two salad options 
to their menu and breakfast all day. And then they're like, shut the fuck up, everybody. We're giving you <laughs> breakfast all day and a couple salads, but we're going to keep making billions and billions of burgers without ever stopping. So go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just think, I think, I also feel like there is a way for us to live with this many people on the planet very sustainably. Like there have been models that show that we can do it. It's just going to take a lot of money and we're going to have to like keep throwing money and like manpower and brain power at the issues as they come up. And so far things aren't dire enough that we're doing that. And so unfortunately it seems like we're just going to wait until it gets really bad before we do anything, which is the strategy. It's not a good one, but all right. Well, I've never written a I've never written a paper for school until the night before. So that's, that's kind our of like strategy the on climate strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I do feel like it is. It's seeping into the celeb culture in like Nicole Richie's, you know, whole like ethical eco hip hop situation. Have you seen what she's up to? Yes, I also saw like um, her show on Quibi that where she's like that. I don't know if that even exists anymore. Like, I don't know if the footage even exists anymore because Quibi's <laughs> gone. Um, but I saw that and she had like a rap about the bees or something. And I was like, yes, I love where you're going with this. I love Nicole Richie. Unironically. Yeah, I really love her. <laughs> she's she's fantastic. And she was like, I'm all about growing food at home. And like, I think at the very beginning of the pandemic was when that show was launching. And she was all about her, you know, garden. And then I was looking at like, there were all of these victory gardens popping up and um, I started watching Masterclass, and there was uh, an amazing class about uh, one of the masterclasses from the gangster gardener who yes, like, yes, yes. took over the median in his um, part of L.A. and started just growing food for his community. And I was like, oh, this seems like there is something happening right now where there's this masterclass being offered and, you know, high-profile celebs are all about their food towers or whatever. Maybe maybe there is that tipping point. And you were know. telling me about how Burning Man was seen as like a blueprint for sustainability um that could work globally it was civil engineering wise that yeah that was kind of neat there was a there was a civil engineer who was like there's there's this really uh incredible infrastructure that exists to put up an entire city and take it all down with a you know quote unquote leave no trace model that yeah it seemed like there's bits and pieces of sparks of hope in you know, all, all sorts of ways, but it is like, yeah, I've got to burn it down first. <laughs> I think, I think just, I just think people underestimate how much is going to have to change. And I think the, that like our future looks a lot more like this lockdown we've been in than we all want to admit, like not necessarily the near future, but like, you know, 10 years from now, I think it's going to be a lot less socially acceptable to travel far um, and fly. And just like, I just think a lot of things are going to change and and be really hard. And I think the more you have good structure now with like community building, the better off you're going to be. And like, yeah, build those things now, like gardening in your backyard and build those things. Not to be too like, I'm not trying to be like, oh my God, we're going to be eating bugs in five years. Like I'm not trying to, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying like be a survivalist today, but um, I just think the future is like super uncertain and there's going to be more natural disasters and there's going to be, uh, greater wealth inequality and uh, people are going to want to start burning things down. So Fuck yeah. Do you have any go. like crazy, not crazy. I don't want to say the word crazy. Um, you're kind of touching on them, but are there any futuristic thoughts and predictions that feel too long to tweet or out of bounds because now we're asking for replies, but you're sitting in the cut kind of like, 
I kind of believe this. I kind of believe this is what's going on. I I mean, I really think um, historically you don't see the amount of wealth inequality that's going on in our country and globally. Like you don't see that without uprisings. Um, and I think one, we've seen that globally, like Hong Kong and, um, oh God, last year there were a bunch before the pandemic. Um, I mean, even here in the U- US, you had uprisings. In France, you had, you know, some yellow jacket stuff. Um so I think there's going to be a ton of revolt. I think one thing that's going to make that incredibly difficult and unique that we haven't seen before in history is the amount of surveillance that's going on. Um, and um, I read a very scary dystopic piece about like the, um, I believe I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, so excuse me, but the Uyghurs in China that are like the Islamic minority there, they're very surveyed. Um, and they can't go blocks without having like checkpoints where they're, you know, taking photos are taken of them and they do face screenings. Um, so I, I read that and I was like, this is going to be so much harder than ever before to like have successful uprisings. Um, but I think there's a James Baldwin quote that I'm butchering, but like the most dangerous man is somebody who has nothing to lose. Like that's going to be, if you keep taking from people, they're going to keep, you know, they're going to fight back eventually because you have nothing to lose eventually. So my big prediction is we're going to see a lot of unrest in so many sectors. And I do think that a lot of governments will collapse. I don't, I think the good news, like I'm a huge optimist about the future, despite all of the things I just said. The good news is that like historically in almost every single situation where humans have faced massive unrest and uh, catastrophe of any kind is that humans overwhelmingly come together and community build very, very quickly. Um, And there's almost no counterexamples to that. Like almost everyone behaves as a a society very, very quickly and gets kind of back on board. Um, So I I have hope that that we will uh, achieve that in some weird way. But my my big picture outlook is we are going to, things are going to burn in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> there will be a lot of wire, wildfires too, um, but there will be a lot of natural disasters, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of bad coming down the line, and a lot of death coming down the line, a lot of grieving. Um, but there will also be a lot of uh, community building and hope and restructuring. So that's my that's my big longer than a tweet prediction for the future. <laughs> this is the, this is the best note to actually wrap 2020 on though because it I I find such a measure of comfort in hearing all of this from you. I uh it, it does feel good to actually hear like we should prepare for this reality in 10 years time. We should right now like that makes me feel like I have some agency. Like I could actually take steps right now to sort of put things in place where I am supporting my future self to be okay with whatever the fuck is going on yes and, i think it's super important to do that like even just yeah. psychologically just be like okay i gotta get better at knowing that like i don't know what's coming damn did we just <laughs> burn it down yeah we just was burned it down we just burned it down we're still hot and we're still <laughs> hot we're so hot and chill hot chill anarchists i would watch that show i would watch the fuck out of that show okay. yeah whether it's on the wb or hbo whatever we can get away with yeah so man lifetime i don't care no anywhere but facebook <laughs> fucking jesus uh, um as we wrap up there was one thing i was sitting on that i had to bring up uh on this podcast because it is probably my favorite discussion i've ever had on twitter and it's when you were talking about the fridge in the garage 
that everyone grew up with in the Midwest. Because growing up in St. Louis, we had a fridge in the kitchen and we had a fridge in the garage. And they were very distinct. Yes. Almost, you you could almost argue Democrat and Republican in some ways. Yes. With the like divisiveness between them. And I was hoping you could talk about what's in your fridge today in LA and a little bit more about growing up in the Midwest with double fridges that was so relatable it hurt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I always like I had divorced parents and both of them had the fridge inside and the fridge in the garage because of course and the fridge in the garage traditionally is in my family for beverages um you put your sodas out there you put your beers out there like the big items anything Do you have backup milk occasionally but my family was big enough that we just were going through milk constantly <laughs> we just there was always gatorade in there i don't know why like who bought gatorade and what were we needing so much gatorade for but like i felt like there was always gatorade we did play hockey i know you played hockey as well um so i feel like maybe it was like a hockey thing i don't know <laughs> so much gatorade and then also it became kind of i think the backup fridge is real time to shine like the most glorious day if you're the backup fridge is Thanksgiving because that's when everything has to get moved out of the main fridge and you're getting the butter, you're getting the milk, <laughs> you're getting all this stuff that you do not normally see as a backup fridge. It's coming in today. It's coming in hot because you got to make room for that casserole. You got to make room for the leftovers. Fuck so yes. that the was like the glory day for the backup fridge. Like she got to hold on to some things that like normally she doesn't get to see. <laughs> <laughs> the understudy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Were you thinking the understudy? Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, yeah it's her time to get that. The, the Broadway, Seriously. the lead went out, twisted an ankle, went down. It's the understudy's oh my moment. God. <laughs> it really was. And like now in LA, I have a like half stocked fridge that's full of oat milk because I'm a parody of a person. And um, <laughs> like, um, yeah, all about the oat milk. Yeah, I love oat milk. Oh my god, I was, I'm so into oat milk. I, um, I, I'm not joking. I thought about naming my dog oat milk. Um, and then, <laughs> but then I realized that I say milk poorly because I'm from Missouri and I say it kind of flat and with an e. And so I was like, I can't have people making fun of me constantly if I say <laughs> that. Um, and then a bunch of like, my boyfriend's always on a diet and trying to eat high protein. So there's just like chicken all the time. And I don't have any involvement in that, but there's like always chicken in our fridge. I feel like <laughs> it's so boring. And then tons of champagne. Cause I love champagne. I drink a lot of champagne. Um, That's such a treat. It's yes. so nice. It's so you nice. You can just have it any time. It doesn't. I do. It, every day. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a problem. No. That's uh, wonderful. <laughs> no, but seriously, I used to go to bars when that was still a thing, and I would order glasses of champagne, and people always be like, what are you celebrating? And I'm like, no, I just love this drink. You can get it any time. You don't need a reason. <laughs> They'll give it to you. French uh, 75 ever or just straight champers? I love... Andre Champagne, the four ninety nine. I'm from St. Louis. I don't have taste. It's not important to have taste. And occasionally, I'll try like a better one, and there are better ones. But <laughs> I, I just literally go to my corner store and get Andre Champagne, like a real nice woman. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. The cork sounds the same. It like, does. Whatever. It does. I like. I love the the image of you like burning it all to the ground looking fucking hot with like a you know like an axe in one hand and a glass of champagne in the other 
Yes, and my new boobs. So things are really just glamour everywhere. You can't even imagine (laughs) the glamour. (laughs) Let's plug everything, please. Yes. Okay, so right now I have a newsletter called Here's the Thing that you can subscribe to where I give people advice. Um, And it is a sub stack, but you can find that on my Twitter page, which my Twitter is at one follower, no dad. And then (laughs) I am also finished writing a book which will again be out in july called well this is exhausting and you can purchase that pre-order that in the link in my bio uh, on my twitter again and that's what i've got going on and hopefully some fan art coming in of what we just tons of fan art let's (laughs) go um if you want to follow us we are at weed and grub on instagram wg at weed and grub is our dot com is our email you knew there was a dot com nobody would just write an email without one uh leave us a five-star review get sophia's book Hang out with us next week. Have a really great end of your year and uh, happy holidays, everyone. Bye. Bye. Wow.